Hi, everybody, and welcome to Midway, a podcast on why it's never too late to restart your life. In the last episode, I turned back the clock to a road trip my family took out west after I'd quit my job at National Geographic. And today's episode, finally, is catching up to the present, because today, May 1st, is the day when parents of high school seniors all around the country can breathe a sigh of relief and maybe feel a twinge of impending loss because it's the deadline for our college-bound offspring to commit to the school they plan to attend next fall. And we're in good company because even the Obamas are going through this transition. Here's Michelle. I think they're conditioning us for that emptiness syndrome. I threaten them that I'm going to buy an apartment near their campuses and I'm going to come visit them and sit in their classes, and you know, but that's an idle threat. If your kid is lucky, they've been accepted into several colleges and spent the month of April weighing their options, comparing financial aid packages, visiting the campuses, and finally coming to a decision they've been moving toward for over a year, or in Miro's case, pretty much his whole life. So this episode... It's the story of the great American college application process, the parents' edition. It's about the emotions that get stirred up when you launch your child into the world, because applying to college can feel like the culmination of your child rearing, the last time your child will ever need your help, the final verdict on how well you've done as a parent. So this is the story of Miro applying to college, but it's also the parallel story of my own sometimes frantic quest to figure out what I'm going to do as an empty nester. Have I thought about, oh, what it's going to be like when he leaves? That's me on the phone with my sister Kathy last fall. And I only recorded my side of the conversation. Sorry. A lot of people do say, oh, are you really going to miss Miro when he leaves? And I'm just sort of like, um, yes. I'm not really thinking about it a whole lot now. I'm just trying to savor being with him while I have him. But yeah, absolutely. When you have an only child that you're as close with, it is. It's a milestone. I want to do all I can to make the most of the time remaining. (laughs) I'm just trying to just be present, but... Also, you know, I have my own life to live. The decision of where to go to college, which many of us made so easily a generation ago, it's become fraught and anxious and just draining for many teenagers and their families. Yeah, I don't really know because, you know, he's applying to like at least 10 schools. So in in a way, it kind of dilutes your desire for any one school. Honestly, I still can't believe Miro's applying to 10 schools. But I think that that's intentional on his part. But that's become the norm. He doesn't want to set his sights on one school, and then if he doesn't get in... Remember the day you decided where to go to college? You do? I don't. I applied to two state schools in Texas, got into both, and went to Stephen F. Austin State University in Nacogdoches, Texas, probably because my sister Kathy went there. It was a different time. I mean, I was an A student, a total bookworm, and I wanted to be a scientist, like Marie Curie, but never once did I consider applying to an out-of-state school, let alone an Ivy League. That just seemed out of my league. Maybe I should have been more ambitious about my choices. My parents or guidance counselor might have suggested I apply to more challenging schools. But one thing's for sure, I wasn't under a lot of pressure. And it all turned out fine. So what's changed? Why has college application become so high stakes, so high anxiety? Part of it is the Common App. It makes it easier for students to apply to a lot of schools at the same time. So it's increased the number that apply to the most selective schools. That means the percentage of students getting into those top-ranked schools, it's been spiraling downward. 
In the last decade, acceptance rates at most of the Ivies have fallen way below 10%. It just feels intense. There's still the major push for the most selective schools in the country. It seems to be increasing all the time. That's Diana Blitz, Miro's college counselor at Wilson High School. A lot of that comes from other kids, but a lot of it comes from their parents who don't consider schools that are not name brand. Blitz says there are hundreds of really great schools out there, but the problem is most students and their parents haven't heard about a lot of them. They believe that if their kids doesn't go to Harvard, that they are undereducated. Can I just say, I've never felt that way. Top 50 doesn't mean top best. It means most selective. These name brand schools are the ones we see in the movies. My own youngest who, you know, when someone asked her in seventh grade, where are you going to go to college? Harvard? Yeah, Legally Blonde. That's the movie she saw. That's the only college she knows. Going to Harvard is the only way I'm going to get the love of my life back. That's Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde. Her list of extracurricular activities is impressive. Movies about Ivy Leagues only slightly exaggerate how intense the competition for these schools can be. How do you distinguish yourself in a population of people who all got 1,600 on SATs? Like the cutthroat environment depicted in The Social Contract. You got a 1,600? Yes. Does that mean you actually got nothing wrong? Yes, I got nothing wrong on the test. Jesse Eisenberg stars as Mark Zuckerberg, creating Facebook as a freshman in Harvard. And there's a difference between being obsessed and being motivated. Or the arbitrary and crazy-making nature of many college admissions decisions. You all want to know the secret formula for getting in. That's Tina Fey playing an admissions officer at Princeton. To do our job well, an admissions officer must be on the receiving end of an entire nation's application panic. Endure the frustration of all the parents who just realize there isn't room for every organically fed, well-tutored offspring. But whether or not you're applying to highly selective schools, the college process can feel like you're in this competitive race. A marathon, really, because it's such a long, drawn-out process that leaves you spent and exhausted. I asked Diana Blitz to walk us through it, from starting point to the finish line. So it starts early. And the first thing she tells students is they need to challenge themselves starting sophomore year. Take AP World History. That means enrolling in AP classes. AP Psychology, AP Human Geography. And taking college entrance exams in your junior year. We want you testing for the first time in spring of your junior year. You choose between two tests. SAT or the ACT. And you've really got to prep. Studying hard. Most students take the test multiple times. I rarely see people test one time. To get the highest score they can. There's nothing fun about an SAT or an ACT test. It is five hours of pain. The top colleges are looking for a perfect SAT score. But you also need to keep your grades up. Perfect GPA. It's pure numbers. But don't forget your extracurriculars. In the sport or either in bands. Colleges used to want well-rounded applicants. What kind of student citizen were you? But now they want you to be spiky with a few activities you're passionate about. Many schools will require subject tests. Take one or two. You need to research which schools are a good fit for you. Make long lists of schools that you may be interested in. Visit campuses if you can. I don't want to go where my parents went. And whittle down your list. I only want to go where my parents went. You need a mix of schools. Target, reach schools, dream schools, most selective schools in the country, safety schools. You should try to get the list down to six or eight schools, 10 max. Take them in, take them out. Phew. Okay, let's take a breath because all of that is before their last year of high school, which is when they actually start applying. Oh, now I'm 
a senior. You have to decide when you want to apply. Early decision, early action, a regular decision to restrictive early action. And the advantage of applying early is that colleges are looking for demonstrated interest. But it doesn't leave you as much time to write your college essay. Tell me about a challenge that you have faced and how you overcame it. And if you're applying to 10 or more schools. What were you thinking? And those are different essay questions for every school. Writing four or five more essays. It's like, ah, how am I going to finish all these essays? Every school has supplements. How do you put your heart and soul into 250 words. And there's lots of good advice about writing these essays. And they have to dig deep. It needs to be something that makes me want to read further. Did you help others? But stay true to yourself. Don't be funny if you're not funny. Write it yourself. It needs to be in your own voice. Colleges want to know about you. Meanwhile, you're doing all this while still going to high school. By that time, they're in four AP classes or five. Plus, they're trying to get to know their new teachers. Do really well on the assignments. No wonder some kids crack under the pressure. It's overwhelming. It's confusing. It's a lot to juggle. It's, it's the first time they're being evaluated in ways that they can't control, so it's humbling for them. There's a whole lot of hand-wringing about this process. As a parent, you worry about the messages you're sending your teenager. If you push them too hard or if you don't push them enough, conversations with other parents of seniors can be a comforting reality check or else fill you with angst. Like when you hear someone's already signed up for the SAT prep class or made an appointment with a college counselor or their kid finished their college essays over the summer and you're like, ah, we're behind. Meanwhile, during the same period when Miro's prepping for college, well, I'm going through my own preparations. My ultimate goal is to transition to more creative work when Miro leaves. But in those early post-job months, right after the Grapes of Wrath road trip, I take on some freelance work for National Geographic to help pay the bills, because mostly, for now, I just want to relish the time I finally have for all the things that have been squeezed out by my career. I go on picnics with my husband Tio in Rock Creek Park. I start knitting a sweater. I plant a fall vegetable garden. I start taking dance twice a week. I organize my son's debate team. I take long walks with friends. I paint my outdoor furniture. I join a jazz singing group. I organize our digital photos. And I spend days cooking stewed meats and ratatouille and pots of brown rice and beans. The biggest change, though, is my relationship with time. After years of rushing through life, I'm no longer stingy with every minute. I'm free to waste the day, to fritter it away like I did in childhood. Got underneath my covers of my snuggly little bed, and now I'm about to watch some show on my computer. How many of us are there? And it just feels uh, kind of delicious. I squander hours singing. Or watching Zumba videos on YouTube. Are you ready to dance to make your For the first time in decades, on many days, there's absolutely nothing on my calendar. I'm savoring the feeling of time slowing down. September. It October, tastes like freedom. November. December, months pass January, as I do my freelance January, work and tackle my endless list of things to do. Cleaning out the basement. Syncing my iCloud and Apple IDs. Organizing my pantry and helping Miro decide on which colleges to apply to. Here at Caltech, education is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be On a, spring break of his junior year, we visit five colleges houses on the are, West Coast. Uh, very similar, actually, kind of like to the houses in Hogwarts. It's a good including analogy. Caltech, UCLA, Harvey Mudd, Berkeley, and Stanford. And remember last episode when Miro said, the reason we don't talk the way we used to is that... that we kind of have sometimes different interests. Well, it turns out our whole family shares an interest in talking about college. Together, we pour over the Fisk Guide to Colleges, a kind of matchmaking guide to universities, and we fall in love over and over. There are so many college personalities to choose from. That doesn't mean it's all smooth sailing. It's Miro's job to apply to the colleges, but it's my job to keep him on track. And that brings out my nagging tendencies. Yes. I just don't think you should 
I think it would be... All right, so you, I shouldn't send this email at all. I remind him to sign up for the SAT subject tests, push him on his essay writing. That sounds jargony. Why not just put it in normal language? How would you just... And it brings out Tio's gift for overstatement. <laughs> my greatest flaw is that I work myself to death. It's actually not at all like that. Here's what inspires me. Because my, they're not my, looking for my, something my, my, bad about you. No, no, my, inspi- <laughs> my inspiration is that I want to save the world. Can I just say something to you in three words? You're not helping. <laughs> I am too. But in the end, helping Miro apply to college turns out to be one of the best experiences we've shared as a family. And lots of parents I talk to agree. The whole process gives you an excuse to talk about how your teenager sees themselves in the world what they're interested in, what they value, what kind of life they want to live. I feel like I get to know Miro better. Like when we sit down one afternoon to do a kind of rehearsal before his Harvard alumni interview. And yes, he's applying to Harvard, but I swear, not because we pressured him to. You should just pretend that you don't know me. I could wear, I could wear my wig. So, um, so hi, Miro. It's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Michael. Why are you wearing a Yale sweatshirt? That's not a good move for a Harvard interview. <laughs> it takes me two minutes to realize Miro doesn't really need to prep for his interview. But maybe you could just start off by just telling me a little bit about you and kind of where you're from, that kind of thing. But it's fun to do it anyway. I've grown up in D.C., although I was born in California, Berkeley. Cool. And went to public school my entire life. I, re- I like to think I have a real passion for engaging with ideas and knowledge. He clearly enjoys making fun of the whole application process. Um, what do you like I, to do for fun? I don't have fun. I only apply to colleges. That's all I do. Are you well-rounded or spiky? Both. Wow. It's true. You know, if you have spikes in all directions, it looks like it's well-rounded. Diana Blitz says she sees a fair number of parents who get too invested in the whole college process. And that's only natural because this rite of passage can be just as anxiety producing for the parent as for the child. I do not like it when parents do everything for kids. Kids don't know their common app passwords. They don't know how to do that because their parents are doing it all. And I don't want to say that it's the parent who's getting into college because it's not. It's still the kid's work. But I think it's more meaningful to a kid when they've had to just do the dirty work. One day, I head into Hi. Wilson High School. I'm here to see a teacher. Because I missed meeting one of his teachers at the parent-teacher conference night. Pardon? You want to write your name on that form? Get your bag. It's, this, it's the lady right here. And basically, I have no reason to be going, other than that, I've always liked meeting Miro's teachers. So I kind of asked her if I could meet with her, and then she didn't respond, and she finally did, and so now I'm going, and Miro's kind of saying that it's like I'm a helicopter parent (laughs) by going. And I'm thinking, have I become a helicopter parent after all these years? I spent the early part of my career glossing over just how important being a mother is to me. I didn't want people to question my dedication to my high-powered job, so I tried not to talk about Mira at work. It's not like I pretended I'd send him to boarding school or anything, but my parenting was compartmentalized. It was something I juggled along with office politics, public speaking, conferences, and hiring nannies. I was the opposite of a helicopter parent, that over-involved mother who's become even more derided than the neglectful, valium-popping mothers of the 60s. But as Miro's grown older, I've craved the freedom to let my secret out. And as you can tell, I've become quite openly and deliriously happily involved in Miro's life. I'm an absolute disgrace. I help organize his debate tournaments, 
I drop whatever I'm doing if he feels chatty and open to conversation. I still make his lunch every day, and all my friends give me grief about that. But on the college front, I'm way too self-conscious to do any of the real no-nos, like filling out Miro's applications for him or writing emails to the admissions office pretending to be him, which apparently happens a lot. But I've definitely been involved, mostly to help him stay organized. Because, I mean, it's hard to navigate the complex world of admissions. Diana Blitz says she wishes some of her students at Wilson could have some of the pressures on them that students with more involved parents do. The interesting thing is first-generation students, they don't have the benefit of that kind of pressure. Sometimes it's high stakes for kids like Miro who think that this is what they have to do, but it's also the absence of that is such an, it's so unfortunate for many other kids. When it comes to applying to college, I wish every kid could have a helicopter parent. Here's the thing, though. When I decided to give myself over to motherhood during the last two years of Miro's high school, I knew getting closer to him might make it harder when he leaves for college, and I was totally fine with that trade-off. But I didn't quite count on this other thing, how much I'd start to connect my own sense of self-worth with his accomplishments. By last fall, as Miro finishes up his applications, I realize I've allowed myself to fall into a familiar trap of channeling my energy into Miro's aspirations rather than my own. In giving so much of my time to Miro, I'm in danger of losing myself. I don't want to be that mother. Miro doesn't want me to be that mother. Once again, it's time to stop playing midwife to someone else's dreams. And so one morning last November, when ambition and fear came knocking again, I let them both in. I woke up with just a complete knot in my stomach this morning. I probably don't want to talk about it right now. Why? I'm just not in the mood. I know, you're sick of me always talking. No, no, it's just, it's too early in the morning. I know, but see, I get up and I write in my journal and then it gets me all, and I want to talk about it. I know, I I try and write in my journal so I'm not talking to you. (laughs) Okay, when can I talk to you about it? Because I'm kind of bursting. I'm like really having like a physical reaction. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm all worked up. I can tell. I know. It's, I'm kind of sick of myself, you know. I'm sick of of wanting to figure out what I'm going to be, <laughs> you know, it's so stupid. I want to immerse myself in work again. I need to put the focus back on myself to figure out my future before Miro leaves in the fall. I mean, seriously, it's like when I said to Miro yesterday that I'm like having a midlife crisis, it's like I am having a midlife crisis. And it's all, you know, it's, I know so much of it is because he's leaving and, and I... I'm too in, I'm too much in anticipation of that. I want to feel good about it. I want to embrace this new chapter, but I have to know what it is. Well, as you said, as you've said before, you don't have to know what it is. I know. You're changed by the actions that you take. You don't have to know what that's going to be. You don't have to try to control everything that's in front of you. You just set out, right? Mm-hmm. That you don't need to know. What, what the chapter really is. You have to do. Yeah. It's, I'm, I guess I'm afraid. I'm afraid to look foolish or, you know. To whom? Exactly. Nobody's paying attention to what I'm doing, so I don't yeah, know why. Right. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. You, know, you, don't want to, you said you just didn't want to talk about it. and. I kind of manipulated you into talking about it by crying. 
<laughs> I didn't really do that consciously on some level, maybe. Okay, what do you mean? Did you say you did some shopping yesterday? And that brings us full circle to when I started this podcast. Because the very next day, when Tio leaves for a conference and I go to my favorite cafe, Tris, to write in my journal, I have this epiphany. This. This transition I'm going through. Restarting my life. That's the story I could tell. I launched Midway in January, and I'm still trying to figure this out. But here's how I know I'm onto something. Ever since I came up with this idea, I wake up every day excited to go to work on it. I've already learned so much from doing it, and it's been great to hear from so many people who can relate to what I'm going through. On the college front, one good thing I notice. After our kids have gotten their applications in on January 1st, all of us parents stop talking about college. It's like there's this unspoken agreement that now our kids have applied to schools and there's nothing more to be done. It's no longer a helpful conversation. Because now, all we do is wait for four months. And even though, of course, we all want to know where they get in, we don't wish for April to come because that'll be four months sooner to when they leave home. College is still topic A with my friend Janet, though. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Her son Ruben has been Miro's best friend since sixth grade. Can I ask you a favor? Can I record our conversations? we go down there? Yeah. One Tuesday night in March, as we drive to downtown D.C. for our jazz singing rehearsal, she tells me she's yeah, been feeling stressed. Hi, this weekend I went to um, yoga for anxiety. We had to go around to say why we were there. I'm here because I'm really stressed. You know, I have anxiety. I can't sleep oftentimes because of work. I said because, you know, I'm about to become an empty nester. And I'm feeling all stressed about that. And it was helpful just to get some uh, coping uh, techniques. And also, I think... What do you think is the biggest source of your stress right now? Well, first of all, we're waiting for college decisions. So that's a little stressful, as you know. Um, (laughs) um, And secondly, just a transition in life, you know. Anxiety is, is, is triggered by sometimes the unknown. You know, you sort of imagine all these things. And, exactly. and what it could be like, and I think... It's all this anticipated suffering. Yeah, there's a fear. There's a fear of the unknown. All of this journey comes down to March, <laughs> to one month. I know. When you have to kind of, you know, bite your nails. Janet and I both agree that our current stress is about much more than the colleges our sons will get into. And of course, it's tinged with aging. You it's know, totally It's tinged. not as if... Yes. If I were getting younger as this happens... Yes, yes. I don't think I I'd have it. quite as that. much trouble. Like, if it was like, okay, you're going to college, and in the meantime, I'm going to be, like, five years younger, it's because you're getting this double whammy of... Yeah, I totally... Of one thing. You're losing one thing, and then it's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, you're closer to death. Yes. <laughs> And so finally, after months of waiting, the day arrives. I am kind of excited because we are in New Orleans. We've taken a spring break trip with my friend Janet and her family. And uh, today is the 31st of March. And so it's kind of an interesting day because here we are on vacation. But today is also the day that we're going to find out what schools the kids got into. I don't know how it's going to unfold. I don't know if it'll just be rolling in during the day or if by the time they wake up, they'll they'll already know things. I'm kind of glad for it to be coming to a conclusion. We've got one more month, I guess, in which they have to decide which school they'll actually go to. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but 
I just kind of wanted to document this day because it's what we've all been working for for the last year. We're getting on the swamp thing. We head off on a tour of a Louisiana swamp with its alligators and cypress trees. Thank you, sir. Ready? Oh yeah, we do have a metal roof. Good. I'm glad it'll attract the uh, lightning. Well, I'm from Arcadians, and the way we become Cajun. Back in 1755, when Acadians were forced out of Nova Scotia, they settled in parts of the country. And it's ironic because, on this of all days, our Cajun guide says he's so grateful he never went to college. Y'all probably went to school, but in ways but down. We were told in the school system if we spoke one word of French in school, we'd have been beaten or thrown out. I don't go places, I'm not accepted. That was the smartest thing I ever did. I got buddy some went to college and got diplomas. They're doing this for a living. Here we are on the swamp tour, and I know that this is the time when um, Miro and Ruben were supposed to be hearing from schools, because even though it's 4 o'clock in Louisiana, it should be 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So I noticed they're both on their phones, and they're texting like mad, but I don't know if it has anything to do with the college uh, announcements. Okay, anyway, just wanted to make that side note. Neither one of them tells us what's going on. And we find out later that the news is mixed. Some acceptances, some rejections, some wait lists. But in truth, both of these amazing lads had already learned they'd gotten into their first choice schools. Reuben got into Oberlin, and Miro learned early, yep, he'd gotten into Harvard. Dear Mira, there's an update from your after test scored off. Oh, and then, that sounds really not good. And then yeah. and then you click it. And then they're like, a status update. And then it just says, you have to say, view update. <laughs> so you hit view update, what did it say? Congratulations. They sent him a video of Mark Zuckerberg congratulating him. Mark Zuckerberg? He didn't even graduate. I'm Mark Zuckerberg. I love it. They thought it would be cool if I gave you the news, so congrats. You've been accepted to Harvard. I went to Harvard my freshman and sophomore years, and it was a great experience for me. You'll meet lots of great people, and you'll be able to learn anything that you want. I hope that you go to Harvard, and they hope that you stay a bit longer than I did. <laughs> and in the end, Miro's been accepted into several other good schools. It always sounds good when they start. I am delighted to inform you. So we all keep saying how great it is to have choices. And it is, right? Except now he's having trouble making up his mind. It's not going to be an easy decision for you, is it? Sometimes too many choices can lead to frustration and confusion. And when you're confronted with choices sequentially, as Miro has been since he's heard from various schools, studies show that you're more likely to be unsatisfied by your eventual choice. Like when you're given one chocolate after another instead of comparing a group of chocolates all at once, researchers found that people tended to second guess whether they chose the best chocolate. So the researchers conclude that in order to choose well and to be satisfied with what you choose, you've gotta be willing to give up the eternal quest for the perfect choice. And hey, that's what I'm doing. I've told myself that this podcast is not my destination, it's my path. I've become convinced that producing Midway will help me discover the long-term project I'm passionate about because it's given me a focus, a reason to learn these new audio skills. And it's the same for Miro. My own experience has taught me that college is not his destination. It's the path to his future. But hey, I'm his mother. I don't expect him to listen to me. He's gonna figure all this out on his own. Today's episode was produced by me, Barbara Paulson. 
Special thanks to Diana Blitz, Janet Fershine, and my husband Tio, who puts up with my ups and my downs. And to Miro. It's been a wild ride. I'm pretty sure you're going to Harvard, right? This is the fourth episode of the first season of Bidway, but I'm already planning the second season. And the stories I want to tell are not just my stories. I want to tell yours too. So please email me about a transition in your own life at midwaypodcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this and wondering how you can help me keep this going, please subscribe to Midway on iTunes and leave a review. It really can help. I'm Barbara Paulson. Thanks for listening.